0: You are about to hear the most interesting, informative, thought-provoking, opinion-leading, and funny show in America on air and on the World Wide Web. This is The Rob Carson Show.
1: And I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Rob Carson. Hope you're having a great day. We are talking, we're just wrapping up a conversation here uh, about the Trump indictment. Before I get to the two callers, Mike and Alex, hang on. I just want to give you Tom Cotton. This is cut three. This is Tom Cotton. He was on with Laura Ingram last night uh, talking about Jack Smith and this indictment.
2: Laura, I think your word diatribe is well put. I've only had a chance to skim through it, uh, but it seems like something that you would get from an MSNBC producer for a special On that channel. Uh, These are all constitutionally protected activities in which former President Trump engaged, uh, political activities and free speech protected by the First Amendment. Um, You don't have to agree with him. You don't have to think he was right, but I I don't see how these charges can go forward without a serious constitutional challenge from the former president. I also just want to point out that Jack Smith is an ideological zealot. He charged Bob McDonnell, former governor of uh, Virginia, on similar crimes years ago. He got a conviction, and he was reversed unanimously at the Supreme Court because his legal theories were so far-fetched. I think it's very curious that Merrick Garland chose that man to pursue the former president.
1: So it looks like he's going to go to the Supreme Court again and probably get shot down yet again. All right. Let's go to the phones. Let's see what you have to say. Mike in Nottingham, you're on the Rob Carson Show. Hi.
3: Hi. Is this Mary Walters? Walter, no S. Oh, Walter. I'm sorry, Mary. <laughs> Mary
4: so, yes, it's me. Uh, you're on I the air.
3: to put out a phone call, uh, a message to one million uh, patriots uh, regarding uh, what Jack Smith may do. Uh, and uh, I'd like them to pledge with me that if Jack's, uh well, to tell them that Jack Smith is not a sincere prosecutor, but he is a murderous mafia hitman. And I'd like the pledge to well. be for one million of us if Jack Smith jails President Trump in D.C., that we plan to be a million uh, patriots to take the train to D.C., Surround the facility, holding number 45, and peacefully protest hunger strike until he is released. I'd I'd like us all to uh, recognize uh, that we refuse to sleep comfortably in our bed when our president is the target of a miscarriage of justice.
1: You know, it. I like. I didn't know where you were going with this, so I'm really glad you said peacefully protest because I think that that they want to get another January 6th. They want to incite violence f- that they can blame on the right, and I think it's super important that people not fall into that trap or allow themselves to be pushed into that trap. You, you got to just say no. You got to walk away. Uh, but peacefully protesting, and you're probably going to get arrested and thrown in the deplorable jail, like it or not. That's probably what's going to happen. I don't think, uh, as, as Cully said, I don't think Trump does jail time. I think he gets um, he's, he's going to get hammered in a D.C. court, right? That's going to happen, and then it's going to go to the Supreme Court. But he's not going to be put in jail between then. It, it's a really bad look, and I think it's even a bridge too far for the Democrats to jail a political opponent during the campaign. I, I just think it's a bridge too far for them. I, mean, I could be wrong, but I, I think it is. Uh, let's go to Brooklyn. Hey, Alex, you're on the Rob Carson show. I think you're uh, my first caller from Brooklyn on this show. Hi. Oh
4: uh, yeah. Hey, thanks for taking the call, and I, I know you from Bar- Brian Kilmade, right? So yes, <laughs> I've heard you frequently, you know, in the past. Um, well, thank you. And he, you know, Mike said peacefully, and that rings the bell because I remember Trump said peacefully and patriotically march to the Capitol. And I don't think that, you know, maybe people should be a little scared before they do it this time around, because if you go peacefully, you might end up in prison. Just like having so many of the January 6th protesters uh, that were innocent. They were, you know, they were allowed into the Capitol. You know, some of them were bad apples. But what's what's really crazy is the reaction from Democratic voters. They don't give a damn about the the obstruction of justice because they look at President Trump as a big, fat monster. And Mm -hmm. everything is fair game. It's kind of like if you have a, a... Terrorist leader like Osama bin Laden, you know, gets caught, and is brought to the United States, and we have, you know, a rule here that we don't hang people, and then people are going to say that it's fair game to go and hang him because he's so despicable, and and that's how Democrats look at it: find any dirt in him and hold him accountable in this way. But now they're going after free speech, and, and that is so crazy. If you believe the election was stolen. You're not allowed to say the election was stolen because they changed the rules in 2020, which made it look extremely suspicious. You know, they no signature verification. Why the hell would you do that unless you want fraud, possibly? And no ID showing. Uh, and then they threw the ballot watchers out there. There's no clear evidence that the election was stolen, but it's really suspicious. They took acts to make sure that Joe Biden wins. Um, and. You know, if Trump is not allowed to say what he believes, then we're pretty much done with everything, and they can take over the country easily, and we just have to go along with it, and we're under a dictatorship. And, you know, you mentioned all the people in the past, like Stacey Abrams, Hillary Clinton, that had questions about the election, and there they had not comparable evidence to what Trump has about fraud that went on in 2020. So this is despicable. And this indictment also came specifically a day after Devin Archer, the most credible witness thus far, testified in else linking Joe Biden to the dealings that Hunter had with foreign countries and they want to cover it up but they're gonna indict him I think it out of seven, eight, nine times because indictments really have any significance. And so if you only have one indictment, two indictments, people look into it, like the Stormy Daniels thing and they go, What the hell is this? It's full of. It's full of garbage. But if you have a bunch of stuff, it's like, oh we got indicted one, two, three, nine times, he's obviously a criminal and that's what I think this is all bogus stuff. And then yeah. interference in the twenty twenty four election.
1: I, I think you put it beautifully. You're absolutely right. And this is the third time that the day after a damaging story came out about the Bidens, Trump has been indicted. But I, I do think that they're going to run out of indictments. I, I really do. Because I think Never that, you know, up. you've got Fanny Willis, who is just a drama queen. That woman just wants attention so bad. She's dragging this thing out uh, just, to, I think, just to get attention. She's she's looking for higher office. Uh, so you've got that. Okay, so the next time something comes out about the Bidens, You'll have, you you know, Fannie Willis drop her indictments. But then they're done. Then what? Then they're then they're pretty much done. So I think they can only ride this train so far of of deflecting attention from the Bidens.
4: And, Mary, you know, I think that they're going to possibly make up stuff because the way they're going with the law that is you know, going with things and unprecedented things that are bring against President Trump. But just one last thing, what I hear some Democrats saying, and they've said this for a pretty long time, is that Donald Trump is only running in 2024 because he wants to be able to pardon himself when he becomes president, and that is so absolutely crazy. They only indicted him because he's running. But if his whole thing is to be able to get pardoned, you know, I think Ron DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy, if they become the nominees, they stand a bigger chance of winning in the general election because the hatred wasn't built up in the Democratic Party so strongly against them, like against President Trump. But when they become, if he wouldn't have run, they would surely pardon him. He's saying because he thinks he can do the best job. He thinks he he did the best job that any president has done thus far. And they're indicting him because of that. And they're trying to get him out of the way
1: yeah abs- absolutely he says all the time and i believe it he says they're not they're they're indicting me but you're next they're destroying me to get to you and i'm what stands between us. us and i think he is absolutely correct on that when he says that oh well put alex great talking to you thank you so much for joining me let's quickly get to uh gina in virginia gina we have about a minute and a half welcome to the rob carson show
3: hi hi and i love you ever since the first time I heard just like seven years ago. Oh, thank you. And, um, yeah, no, the two callers ago when they're like, oh, yeah, you should go to this to D.C. And, and peacefully protest. Anybody who's set telling us to go to a hostile city and protest in any way, shape, or form is probably one from the other side looking to get us all in trouble again, in my opinion. Uh-
1: you go ahead, finish Finish your thought and then I'll tell you I think you're right, go ahead Oh
3: no, that was the thing, I'm quick
1: there you go. <laughs> well, thank you for being quick. I appreciate that. I I agree. I don't think it's I don't think it's a good idea to go to a city like D.C. Uh, to protest, even if it's peaceful, because you will be attacked by Antifa. They're going to bring out their black shirts. You know, Hitler had the brown shirts. The D- Democrats have the black shirts in their black block with their umbrellas and their bats and their weapons, and they're going to show up masked up, even if it's the middle of summer, and they will attack. And the only people, or they will be dressed as Trump supporters and cause trouble. So... I don't buy any of it. Gina, thank you so much. I appreciate your swiftness. Thank you. Uh, And thank you for the compliment. All right. Coming up, Vivek uh, Vivek Ramaswamy saying something that I thought was really nice. And uh, we had Alex mention Vivek Ramaswamy as well and his potential to get the nomination. And I'm curious to see what you think about what his reaction was to the indictment. And that'll be next on The Rob Carson Show. Mary Walter, with you in for Rob Carson on the Rob Carson Show. You can follow me on Twitter at Mary Walter Radio, and uh, I also have a podcast that airs on Tuesday nights at seven fifteen p.m. Eastern live on Getter and YouTube. Just look for Mary Walter Radio. And also the audio is on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Again, look for Mary Walter Radio and uh, please subscribe to the channel, appreciate that. And uh, like a couple of the podcasts would be great as well. Uh, I told you Vivek Ramaswamy, I was really impressed with his comments. Now, he is one of the few who are challenging Trump for for the nomination, but he's not gone negative on Trump. And I was lucky enough to have uh, interviewed Vivek and I find him very interesting. He reminds me of a young version of Trump without the Queen's language. You know, his boy. He was. He, you know, when I say Queen, I don't. I don't mean the British Queen. I mean like the New York suburb Queen. Trump is very combative. He's very much like someone from Queens. And if you grow up in the New York area, you get it. You understand it, and it doesn't offend you. Vivek's a little bit more polished than that. But he's a businessman, just like Donald Trump, and worth a lot of money, just like Donald Trump. So we'll start with cut four. This is the first half of what he released a video statement. And here was his take on the indictment.
0: It's another sad moment in our country's history. The 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump, has yet again been indicted by the Biden DOJ, a political party in power that is now repeatedly using police force to indict and arrest and potentially eliminate its political opponents from competition. This is a politicized prosecution. It is a political persecution through prosecution. Now in a third indictment, just in a matter of months against the person who is still at present, the lead contender in the Republican primary for US president. I wanna be very clear. I am running for US president in that same Republican primary. It would be easier for me If Donald Trump were eliminated from competition, that's not how I want to win. This is not about politics to me. This is about first principles. We do not want to become a country where the party in power is able to use banana republic like tactics to eliminate its political opponents. Yet I'm sad to say that's exactly where we are.
1: So he's coming to say, look, he's my opponent. But if I'm fair here. I have to say that this is wrong. And he's right. He would benefit greatly. Compare what he's saying with what Mike Pence said. He said, today's indictment serves as an important reminder. Anyone who puts himself over the Constitution should never be president of the United States. I will have more to say about the government's case after reviewing the indictment. And uh, he did say the former pre- the former president is entitled to the presumption of innocence. But with this indictment, his candidacy means more talk about January 6th the more distractions. Just because the Democrats are using this as a distraction, they're using it to make you crazy with all the, the chaos surrounding Trump, it's not Trump that's the chaos. It's the Democrats that create the chaos around him. Why do we allow them to do that? And he said the country is more important than one man and the Constitution is more important than any one man's career. So Trump comes out, uh, Pence comes out swinging at Trump. Here's the rest of what Ramaswamy, this is cut five, Ramaswamy had to say about the indictment against Trump.
0: Donald Trump was not responsible for what happened on January 6th. You want to know what was responsible? I said this in the days after January 6th, 2021, just as I say it today, systematic pervasive censorship in this country. That was after a year where we had told people across this nation that you had to stay locked down in your house, in your basement and shut up, sit down, do as you're told. If you question that, you're racist, you're anti-science, your social media accounts were silenced. You had to stay home and locked down unless you were part of BLM or Antifa, in which case it was perfectly fine to roam the streets of this country and burn many of them down. That was the double standard that then applied and said that if you said the virus originated in a lab in Wuhan, you were again a racist and had your internet accounts shut down. You were then told you had an election where you could express yourself to put the right person in charge of fixing these problems and instead Your accounts were suppressed if you sent a mere message saying that the Hunter Biden laptop story from the New York Post was real. You had your accounts locked. Even the New York Post had its own account locked. And if you repeatedly then tell people they cannot speak, that is when they scream. If you repeatedly tell people they cannot scream, that is when they tear things down. And I think we are making a grave mistake in this country by trying to pin the blame for that at the feet of one man.
1: So what do you think? What do you think about what he had to say? one 800 6680 I give him mad respect. I have a lot of respect from Ramaswamy. I really like this guy. He's 37 years old. I think he needs to bake a little bit longer, but we've had, listen, uh, how how old was uh, John Kennedy when he became president? He was he was like, what, 30? He was probably about the same age, right? He was in his 30s, uh, I have to look it up. Please feel free to correct me. Uh, and he has international experience because he um, he does business deals all over the world, just like Donald Trump. And Ramaswamy brings in the under forty vote, and he brings in more independence than other candidates. So I wonder if he would be a great running mate with Donald Trump. I would love that. I really, really like this more and more. Let's quickly go to my friend Victor in Silver Spring. Victor, you're on the Rob Carson show. Hey, Victor.
5: And how are you doing, Mary?
1: I'm doing great, my friend. Hope you're having a good summer. So what's your analysis of this indictment?
5: You know what? The more I hear Trump, the more he reminds me of Martin Luther King and Nelson Mandela. Let me explain here. Martin Luther King founded the civil rights movement, and he was assassinated. And the Democrats want to assassinate Donald Trump. Um, Also, Nelson Mandela, he tried to change his country in South Africa, and he went to jail. Trump is trying to change the country back, and the Democrats want to put him in jail. So that's how I connect Donald Trump to Nelson Mandela and Martin Luther King.
1: I understand the connection you're making, but I think there are, are heads exploding all over the listening area, right all across the country, uh, because like, how dare you compare him to, to to black heroes? That that's what the argument's going to be. It's okay to do the opposite, but you're not allowed to do w- what you just did. I, I understand the comparison that you're drawing. That the, these are all men, and there are women. We can we can sit and make a list of people who have stood up and said no right and said that you're you are you have got to come through me i will be the face i will be the voice of of whatever the movement happens to be and well, are very when, much loved um, by the I'll, people i'll be
5: called a racist and i'll just say how can i be a racist when i can't see you
1: there you go <laughs> that's a perfect response I didn't even realize it. that's a great response I forgot Victor that's yeah. fantastic yeah it's going to be interesting to see where this goes they do want to destroy Trump and I think you're right there was so much anger on the left that has been stoked by the likes of Jamie Raskin and um, Maxine Waters and Nancy Pelosi and the rest of them who said horrible terrible things about Donald Trump Adam Schiff that they knew were lies and they said them anyway and remember there. are always accusing you of doing exactly what they're doing so they have stoked the division in this country they are the ones who have who have uh just made this um this hatred this venom and especially towards trump and then it spills into trump supporters this is why they feel totally comfortable assaulting you if they think you are a trump supporter victor always a pleasure to speak with you i enjoy the rest of your summer i'm sorry
5: You've got to come back to Silver Spring. we got to oh. find another restaurant to have morning on the malls. Remember that? There you
1: go. Well, Victor, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, that ship sailed a long time ago, but thank you so much. You enjoy the rest of your summer. Kennedy was 43 when he was elected. Okay, so thank you for that. I, I do appreciate that, Brian. Thank you, or Ken, whoever put that up there. I appreciate that. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk some more about other things in the news. I believe there's other news. We'll do that with Colonel John Mills. That's coming up next on The Rob Carson Show. I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Rob Carson. And coming up later in the show, we're going to be joined by a man named Andrew Arbogast, and he is a vet, and he started a business um, that's pretty—it's it's, interesting—and and I like to highlight veteran-run businesses, and. Uh, you know, the, the story of coming back after being deployed in, and reassimilating into society. He's also involved with Folds of Honor. So we'll talk about that as well. But right now on the Newsmax Hotline, it's Colonel John Mills. He is a retired U.S. Army colonel, former director of cybersecurity policy for the Department of Defense and the author of The Nation Will Follow. Colonel, thank you for joining me.
6: Hey, Mary, uh, thank you so much. An honor to be on, uh, on the show with you.
1: Oh, Thank you. So there's so much to talk about. And I think since you you worked in cybersecurity, we found out that uh, after through Devin Archer's testimony on Monday, that Hunter Biden told him to buy a burner phone in the spring of 24 and April of 2014, saying he told him to buy a cell phone from a 7-Eleven or CVS tomorrow, and I'll do the same. Why would someone want to buy a, a burner phone?
6: Well, it's kind of like uh, General Petraeus and his uh his uh female counterpart using uh giving the using the same logon to the same uh, social media site so they could just leave messages there and therefore not actually send the messages. Uh they both had the same logon. on. It was just a trick of the trade and trade craft. Uh so you know, okay, so they're buying a burner phone in cash, uh don't, don't use your credit card, uh, or so I've been told. And uh, so it's, you know, this is just trickery and tradecraft, and it, and it leads toward, uh, you know, clearly something was up. And, you know, that was just the latest. We got uh, on, uh, you know, uh, Hunter and now his dad uh, between the 1023s and the, from the FBI, which are courtroom-level artifacts. The suspicious activity reports over a 100. Most people, most mere mortals would be deplatformed, debanked after one, uh, after Shapley and Ziegler. And now we have Devin, the collapse of the plea deal. I forgot about that. The collapse of the plea deal and many uh, angles there. And now Devin Archer. So it is looking Awfully like this is tilting, and and it's called the concept of uh, legal sufficiency. We're there on legal sufficiency, but ergo, hence the uh, attack on uh, President Trump by Jack Smith. That's that's merely uh, a counterattack to do whatever they can to stop this because no matter what, they're just trying to stop Trump from getting back in office. So this is the lawfare that goes on in modern America.
1: Right. So, but I guess my. <laughs> Considering all this stuff, I keep hearing more things that come out, and you know, you mentioned uh, the the involvement of Joe Biden. They're telling us they talked about the weather. What loving father doesn't take a call from his son? But yet he's so loving, he has no idea what his son did for a living, which is really weird. Considering his son was in the throes of a horrible addiction, but yet he's making millions of dollars and. Apparently, his loving father never asked that question. How much more evidence do we need for Joe Biden to be held accountable in some way? Is this Congress's uh, responsibility? I mean, nothing's going to happen with Christopher Wray. It's not going to allow anything to happen, right? So Merrick well, Garland's yeah. not going to do anything.
6: Well, I think it's shameful with the 1023s and the suspicious, suspicious activity reports. These are both intelligence community products and law enforcement products, and absolute Excellent courtroom level artifacts and evidence. So I think we're there now. For the next step is for Congress. So, so one, it's shameful that we have a deep we have deep state deep staters that are absolutely uh, willingly blocking this. Now you do have Shackley Ziegler from IRS to come forward and God bless them and good on them. Uh, you know, and uh, so it's uh, good good for them. We do have some whistleblowers, so that's a a good thing. But now we've we've met the legal sufficiency threshold for Congress to begin an impeachment inquiry. That's the process. We don't just jump into an impeachment vote. You do an inquiry. And this is about Jack Smith is nothing but a smokescreen and obfuscation to distract. And, of course, legacy big media, that's all they can talk about. I'm sure they have indictments four, five, and six already racked up, ready to go, and drop them over in their... When more things fall apart, but right there, we're we're right, we're there with legal sufficiency, um, and uh, from what I'm so- understanding, uh, yes, we're there.
1: Why wouldn't you know? For instance, Mitch McConnell uh, want to do this. Uh, I know he's the Senate; it has to start in the House. Uh, McCarthy seems to want to do it, but he is also pumping the brakes on it. Why? Why don't they want to do the inquiry? Because the inquiry would allow them, from what I understand, to get a lot of these documents that the DOJ and the FBI are just refusing to turn over. Which I thought they were not an independent branch of government. I thought that Congress had oversight and they were they had to answer to Congress, but they're just refusing to do so. How would an impeachment inquiry change that balance of power?
6: Oh, well, that's the, that's the process you've got to go through to lead toward an impeachment vote. And this is where you lay all the facts on the table. And this is, uh, you know, kind of like with Nixon. Uh, it's how many Dems are going to start tilting over to the other side and saying, this guy this guy's corrupt, dirty, and wrong. And I think you're going to be—we're all going to be surprised here very soon. You're going to get more and more Democrats start going, oh, come on. I mean, this is— I mean, except for the most craven, uh, you know, with Adam Adam Schiff, you know, Eric Slalwell, you know, uh, folks like personalities like that. um, They're going to start saying, I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, this is so, so over the top. Uh, We have never had a, you know, everybody was maybe unhappy with Obama or somebody else, but we've never had a post-World War II president uh, with such uh details shown to be taking foreign money barisma, and we were all wrong we o we owe we owe a, a Biden an apology because we were always saying ten percent from the big guy we were wrong it was fifty percent, so we owe him an apology and uh <laughs> he, he was doing a lot better than we thought and uh ladies and gentlemen i mean this is this is out of the realm of feeling opinion emotion, assertion. These are hard, hard facts and courtroom level evidence. I mean, this is not looking well, good. So don't get don't get does, distracted by Jack Smith.
1: Does does the House have the suspicious activity reports? Do they have those SARS, or are they being held by uh, the DOJ?
6: Oh, uh, those are artifacts that really come out of Treasury, and oh, sorry. they have been shown them. Uh, but this is, this is part of the tension of three separate but equal branches of government. I mean, I've been, I've been at the White House where members of Congress demanded to see documents. And uh, part of the negotiation, they came over they, in the, to the skiff, they look at the documents, they were satisfied, said thank you, boom. And uh, we had uh, uh, you know, taken care of that uh, disagreement and went on with life. Uh, same thing here, they they are not handing over, the, I don't believe they've handed over the documents, but multiple members of Congress have seen it, multiple members of Congress. So um, there's the, there's, at this point in time, uh, there's enough people who've actually seen the suspicious activity reports. Again, this, this is pretty uh, incriminating evidence here. So
1: what, okay, people. if one, we have the incriminating... Star, that we have the incriminating evidence. You say there's enough there, because I keep hearing there's not enough. There's not enough. They don't, Republicans don't have anything. Where is it? Why they just don't seem to be moving? Do the Republicans have the wherewithal and the guts to actually do anything about it?
6: <sighs> That's a political calculus of, of the House. And, uh, you know, they're weighing all these things, you know, they're in their in their donor class, in their, in their political uh, calculus. They're weighing all these things. You know, uh, McCarthy turns around and talks to his uh, his uh, roommate Frank Luntz, and they come up with an opinion and a decision. Uh, um, I'm just kidding. I don't know if they still are rooming <laughs> together, but uh, the uh, you know, it's all of the above. Uh, but uh, they better hammer that. I mean, I mean, uh, especially with the Freedom Caucus, they better. I mean, and they have a lot of power. They better ram this through and get this going because right now, this this is a very important legal. Concept I and mean, we have four major elements that have now resolved this. So you got you can't just have one report and okay that's right we do an impeachment inquiry okay I would say now because now you have uh, these courtroom level artifact you have the, the testimony of Shapley and Ziegler uh, you have the testimony of Devin Archer and uh, these are brought in uh, uh, the president. Uh, and then you and then you have a collapse uh, collapse of the plea deal, which also exposed several other angles. One of the reasons Department of Justice was they're they're totally deep state in cahoots with this because uh, they were forced. Uh, they were, Thank God we have three separ- separate equal branches. The judge she said, uh, the, the Department of Justice is is a uh, um, hunter under on any, any other investigations. Is it a simple yes or no? Yes or no? And the answer was yes. You know, I can't do anything. And then the they were lying. Uh, Hunters' uh, lawyers were lying about Shapley, and not, they 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 excluded Shapley and Ziegler's statements, and that was a that was a lie. It was a lie to the judge. And the Judge she said, no, "No, no, I can't I can't grant a plea deal. There's there is there's is absolute uh, uh, issues uh, with me that block me from going forward with a uh, green to the plea deal." So that explosion or implosion. Uh, was one of the key elements here. So so uh, they, we now have li- r- lined up and racked up. They're all in place. So, uh, you know, this is on top of another huge, huge discovery that's actually personally uh, important to me is July 4th, uh, Dottie, Judge Dottie's decision in Missouri and Louisiana versus uh, Joe Biden, And that the U.S. government is colluding, uh, colluding with private sector and social media to target and silence Americans. This is outrageous. This This is absolutely unbelievable. Very important decision there also.
1: Yeah, it's hard, you know, because I I just I just don't have a lot of faith that uh, anything is going to happen in any of this. I I just don't. I I just think that for whatever reason, like you said, the the Republicans are, you know, looking at the donor class. And how about you just look at right and wrong? I'm just a big fan of Republicans doing what Nancy Pelosi would do. What would Nancy do in this situation? Nancy would have started this already. This would have been done a long time ago if it were up to Nancy. And it just drives me crazy that Republicans don't have the same wherewithal. We have to, well, we have to wring our hands and we have to sweat it out and figure out who wants this and who wants that. And I think there's a lot of people in the Republican Party. I'm looking at you, Mitch McConnell, who hate Trump and would rather see him go to jail and, they'll, the, and see um, Joe Biden in office for another four years um, than see Donald Trump in office. And as long as you have that faction of the party, I just don't see anything getting done.
6: Well, that's that's. Uh, this is the battle for the soul, and I'm just. This is an observer. I'm not advocating or being a, a political on this. This is the battle for the soul of the Republican Party. Is it mega? Is it populist? Uh, is, or is it uh, um, you know is, is it just status quo? And I would say most do not want the status quo. But uh, unfortunately, you got a number that are holding the reins that. Uh, you know these these are the Mitt Romneys that uh, you know can't believe I was clapping for Mitt Romney in 2012, hooray Romney, and uh, these these are the milk toast. This is why you know the Republicans had state legislature in Michigan and Pennsylvania, and just because they were so milk toast, wishy washy, they lost. And now you have the absolute tyranny of uh, of Gretchen Whitmer, and uh, the guy, guys and girls, you gotta fight, you gotta fight here uh, for your positions and your values. And, 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 and just time and time here in Virginia, you know, we got a big problem with that very melt toast, uh, GOP establishment, you know, they talk big, uh, they talk election integrity when it's a, uh, when, when it's, uh, to get don- donations, they don't do anything about it except say, be a poll watcher, which is worthless. And uh, and uh, so they they talk big. They want to get, they want to rake in the donations. They don't fight because it's it's just like owning the uh, Orioles or the Washington Redskins or whatever we're calling them this week. Uh, you know, most profitable teams in the league in their league, baseball and football, yet worst worst records. So you know, yeah. so, you know, so there is no correlation between and so the you know they aren't. And everybody seems to be very content raking in money and not winning. That's, that's
1: yeah. It, they that's just want to. They record. just want to and they don't want to put the money out. They don't want to hand it out. They didn't have they didn't help Jack Citarella in New Jersey during the midterms. He could have he came very close to winning the state and flipping New Jersey. They didn't help Larry Elder in California. They didn't help Glenn Young, Youngkin in Virginia. They want you to do it on your own and then all of a sudden they're your best friend. So I, I'm I'm no fan of of Ron McDaniel uh, at the top of leading the party. Scott Pressler who is t- teaching Republicans how to ballot harvest and how to how to register voters. That guy should be the head of of the RNC. Colonel John Mills, thank you so much. I appreciate your analysis on this. You give me a little bit of hope, but I'm calling you back if they've dropped the ball on this one. I'm going to call you back for giving me hope. False hope. <laughs> <laughs> Colonel, thank you so much for joining me. Have a great rest of your week.
6: Thank you. You too. Take care. Bye. 800
1: 922 Mary Walter in for Rob Carson. And- I'm Mary Walter, sitting in for Rob Carson on the Rob Carson Show. So, I want to talk to you, and we're going to carry this over. But um, about cancel culture, and is cancel cancel culture getting canceled? And, and I asked I want to start out, we're going to have a guest on later who is a, a vet who has started a business, and we'll talk about his business a little bit and uh, his service and what led him to do what he's doing. But there is a guy named Jonathan Isaac. He's an NBA star. I did not know that, but he is. He's a very tall man, and, and he plays basketball. And he made headlines in 2020 because he stood during the national anthem while everybody else was kneeling. And now he's launching an athletic apparel brand dedicated to his Christian faith and what he calls American values. The brand is called Unitus, N-U-I-T-U-S, and he's billing it as an alternative to woke retail brands like Nike. And he said that his decision to stand during the anthem and develop his clothing brand were inspired by his faith. So I want you to hear what he has to say here in his own words. So I'm just going to start with cut six.
2: You're buying into a company that stands for faith, family and freedom, and it's going to work to bolster those values and give you merch that supports those values and creates this community of people who want to come together and see these values celebrated in the marketplace and culture.
1: So for people who come together, over shared values. Now, this is why I asked the question. I look at this and we're going to talk about Bud Light a little bit more. And we're going to talk about some other things that are happening in culture in, in this country. Because the left has pretty much dominated the culture wars. I didn't know there was a war until they told me there was a war. So are the culture war, cancel culture, getting canceled? And is the right finally starting to win some of the culture wars. one 800 I'll come back with more of Jonathan Isaac and we'll talk about uh, how, this, how a chance encounter changed his life forever. That's coming up next on The Rob Carson Show. Mary Walter in for Rob Carson. Uh, Jonathan Isaac, who is the NBA uh, player. He uh, has launched his own the clothing line is an alternative to Nike and it is pro Christian, pro American values. So he's definitely standing out in the NBA. How did he come to this place? It was a chance encounter that changed his life, he tells it here.
2: I met a man on the elevator who stopped me and said, I can tell you how to be great. And I said, how? And he said, you have to know Jesus. And I actually wrote a book about my entire journey from faith Is to this childhood. Is that Stand? Yes, it's called Why I Stand. You can get it on Amazon, Spanish, Portuguese, English. Um, but yes, that's all about my faith journey. It's a, it's a really big story, and I'm sure you would love it.
1: And his clothing line features a logo design that's based on the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, he also made headlines in 2021 because he pushed back on the NBA's vaccine policy. And his company stands for, as you heard, Faith, Family, and Freedom. So he, he said, people respect me for my courage, for standing what I believe in and doing things myself. I've gotten my fair share in negativity, but I like to focus on the positive. I have more examples coming up. And I want you to think about whether cancel culture is getting canceled. Is the Has the right finally figured it out how to push back? I mean, did we finally hit the tipping point where people said no, enough is enough. And the pushback began, and is it successful? And I you know I look at I look at poor Bud Light and I, you know I got, when I say poor Bud Light, I kind of feel for the distributors, the truck drivers, the bottlers, people who work there who are losing their jobs because of the success of the boycott. So we'll talk about this more coming up. I'm Mary Walter, and you're listening to The Rob Carson Show.
2: Hi, it's Tony Marino, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast, your daily news bulletin of Newsmax's top headlines, along with commentary from our hosts and experts. You can learn more about all of the free podcasts, including Newsmax Daily, Rob Carson, and Jerry Callahan at Newsmax.com
3: you're on the go and
1: need news now. No paywalls, no cable subscriptions. Just download the Newsmax app from your smartphone store. It's free. And watch
6: Newsmax TV anytime, anywhere.
0: This is the Rob Carson Show.
1: And I'm Mary Walter in for Rob Carson. I hope you're having a great day. I am. I'm having so much fun. I love getting to sit in for Rob because he's such a great audience. You guys are fantastic. Coming up later this hour, Andrew Arbergast, the CEO and founder of Arbergast Cheese Dip will be joining us. Hmm, he has an interesting story. So you have to find out why. Does the cheese dip guy have an interesting story? Hmm. (laughs) You have to trust me on this one. Uh, 1-800-922-6680 is my number. Talking about cancel culture. And is cancel culture getting canceled? An interesting piece written by Dan Gaynor called Cancel Culture is Getting Culturally. It's about time. Cancel culture is getting canceled. Uh, It's about time. And I'm curious to see if you agree. Do you see this? Do you feel it? Are you participating in any kind of cult of canceling of your own? Like you tell your kids, I'm sorry, we're not seeing the Barbie movie. Now, to be perfectly honest with you, I don't understand what the deal is with the Barbie movie. I don't care what the deal is with the Barbie movie. I, I, I Someone posted a song that's in the Barbie movie and it's, oh, it's so beta male. It's so, it's so against guys, you know, because it's Ken singing, I'm number two, I'll always be number two. I kind of thought it was funny because he kind of was always number two. Everybody wanted Barbie. There weren't any little young boys going, I want Ken. And there weren't a whole lot of girls, my friends, when I was a kid who had Ken. They all had Barbie. So Ken was always number two. He is always going to be number two. So from an adult point of view, I thought it was funny. I, I didn't see the outreach. So I decided to sit the whole Barbie thing out on the sidelines, uh, for that one. Uh, he goes on to talk about how the New York Times, their latest, uh, best of list is re- reluctantly admitting that a quote, a culture war hit. Uh, you have, um, consumers voting with their wallets. You have, uh, was it 4G Auto blow? Did I say his name right? He's a rapper. I, I saw this. He is a, uh, he, a song that he did called Boycott Target and it hit number one on iTunes. Then there was a Christian hip hop -hop song called Reclaim the Rainbow. Did not hear this one by Bryson Gray and Shamika Michelle. That reached number three on iTunes. Country singer John Rich, he has a song out called Progress. Went to number one on iTunes. He released it on Rumble and on uh, True Social. And it's called, as I said, it's called Progress. And it says, stick your progress where the sun don't shine. Keep your big mess away from me and mine. And I think people got tired of having shoved down their throats at all times. Like every time you watch something, you're like, oh, here we go. There's gotta be preaching somewhere in this show. There are a bunch of shows we used to watch and we stopped we stopped watching blackish. We used to watch blackish. I like, really enjoyed that show. We stopped watching it. Because it's just too woke. Uh, with the reboot of Will and Grace, we started watching until the second episode where they started trashing Trump. I'm like, okay, done. Sometimes I just want to be entertained and laughed or, or, or just have a good you know, mystery or something. I watch Forensic Files a lot just because I know there's going to be no politics. I don't want it shoved down my throat at every turn. It's like I don't need product placement at every turn. So I think that's what's happening. You have uh, Sound of Freedom right i mean just just they've brought in almost 150 million dollars they blew away the flash which came came and went they've passed the latest fast and furious which is fast x and every time they come out and bash it more people go to see it now, I have not seen it. I want to see it. I haven't had time to see it. I have to wait. I just don't have the time right now. But I do want to see Jesus Re- Revolution. I want to see that one as well. And that's a, based on what happened in the 1970s, a real-life religious awakening. They made over $52 million this year. Top Gun Maverick was a patriotic movie. People went to go see it. So it's to me, this is the ultimate in capitalism, right? If it's good, I'll go see it. If it's something good, I will expend money on it. If I like your story, I will pay for it. Ben and Jerry's. I haven't bought Ben and Jerry's in decades. I do like a good Chunky Monkey. However, other people make a similar ice cream. So I don't like their politics. I don't like their message. I don't like uh, you know, my, my ice cream with a side of politics. So I don't buy that. Now, to help out with that, there is, and I, this is going to be interesting to see if this takes off and it's neither right nor left, but it's called Veebs, V-E-E-B-S. It's an app for partisan shopping. Now, I don't know if this is a good thing and you could tell me if this is good or not. one 800 922 You pay 99 cents a month and you fill out a, um, like a questionnaire, about your ideological preferences like liberal, conservative, America first, pro-LGBTQIA plus, you know, whatever the alphabets. And then they, you use the, the app to scan barcodes on the products that you want to buy. And it will tell you how closely it aligns, that product aligns with your values, with the, user, with the views that you say align with your values that you put into the app. So it'll tell you, oh, not good. You know, like, oh, yeah, this is good or part way or whatever. It gives you, it gives you um, a score. Now, it's new, so it does have some bugs, so they're working on it. But it's kind of sad that we're at that point in our history because I wasn't that old when you could just buy a product because you really liked the product. You had no idea what that company's political views were. I kind of miss those days. When I didn't have to worry about whether the shampoo that I'm buying at the dollar store, you know, is, is negatively affecting my, my politics, you know, because I don't like who they donate to or that kind of thing. But the pressure's been put on so many of these countries companies to be woke that it, it's ruined everything. Now everybody's got to take a political stand. So now I have to go to the store with an app and I got to scan everything to see if I want to buy your product. But And this is a this sword though cuts both ways because it 's not just for conservatives it 's conservative and liberal views. The Pew Research Center said that American parties now view their opponents unfavorably compared to one thousand nine hundred and ninety four you can 't and i 'm that person i don 't like to view you unfavorably i don 't care what your religion is i, I don 't care who you sleep with i, I don 't care you know, what part of the alphabet you fall into. As long as you understand that your rights end where mine begin and you're an overall good person, that's fine with me. I don't have time to worry about the other stuff you got going on. I don't care about the other stuff. Like people who fly the rainbow flag outside their home. Really, why? Why do you think anyone cares what your sexual preference is? Why? Why do you think anyone cares? People who say, who fly the hate has no home here. I'm like... Well, I would assume that hate doesn't have home, uh, have a home in a lot of the places around here, okay? And if you're being honest, you would put, you know, the dot, 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 and a sign next to it that says, unless, of course, you support Trump, in which case, I think that you're scum, and I think you should die. If you're going to be honest, you know that I believe, I believe that Black Lives Matter. I believe that science isn't real. I believe, I, it, 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 stop it. Why does everyone have to preach? Who cares? Just be a good person, let your actions speak louder than your words. I don't understand this um, the, now, so they're saying right now the interface for for this app is is a little threadbare and it's a little clunky to use, but they are working on it, so it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. But the fact that we're at that point in time, I think is really sad i I, I do I, that we have to use that, but am I going to go out and buy that app? I don't know. I might. Because I don't want politics shoved down my throat. one eight hundred nine 922 Let's head to Baltimore. Thomas, you're on The Rob Carson Show. Welcome. Hey, how are you? I'm doing yeah, just I, uh, fine, just like thank
7: a you. I'm doing this uh, Bud Light beer.
1: You know, you to me, uh, people
7: do what you want to do. I mean, I, I, everybody minds their own business to be better off. I drink Bud Ice, and I'm going to keep on drinking it. And I'm not going to buy it just because some guy's wearing a dress. I really don't care about that.
1: And that's great. I think that's great. And that's your your prerogative to do that. And that's the beautiful thing about capitalism. I'm not a light beer drinker. Um, and, and I, you know, I, and a light ice. I mean, that's basically water that they, that they walk past in an open bottle of some kind of beer, right? I mean, that's that, come on. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm a yingling fan. We always have been. So yingling has something called yingling flight, F L I G H T, which is a low carb. And I actually really like it. It's good for summer. It's a, it's a, not as heavy as a regular yingling, but for me, Bud Light wasn't about Dylan Mulvaney. I can get past that. I'm like, Ugh, another one. What bothered me was the cleanup on aisle nine that they tried and the woman who was behind this, she was a 30 something, the marketing manager, she comes out and puts a video out saying, well, we had to get rid of the image of Bud Light. It was too too redneck and frat boy. Okay, now.
7: that's, That's their opinion.
1: Right. But but that's the problem. That's to me, that's how they view their consumers. And the consumers got the message, oh, you denigrated me. You called me names and you put me down. You looked down your nose at me. So it wasn't the Dylan Mulvaney thing. It was the explanation afterwards which showed the true colors of what they really thought about their consumers. So the consumers are like, fine, I'm going to take my redneck uh, butt elsewhere and frat boy butt elsewhere and drink something else. That's what did them in. It wasn't Dylan Mulvaney, I don't think.
7: Uh, well, I used to drink Heineken. Uh, then I switched to Budweiser and Bud Ice. And uh, I just don't... I don't see anything wrong with that. I mean, just yeah, like I the say, dress and the dress, uh, you, you you know, they want to put his picture on the beer. Fine. Who cares?
1: It what, but again, just remember, it wasn't about that. It was about the way they denigrated and they, they talked down to and smeared their core audience for Bud Light and put yeah. them down. And well, that's what know, did hey. it, you know? And, and that's fine. And, and listen, I don't, I, God, God bless you for drinking a nice beer. Good for you. I it's just not my jam. <laughs> so I'm I'm not in this whole Bud Light fight at all. Period. Anyway, so but I I like I like someone who just says I don't care. I kind of like that, Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me. And you go enjoy a cold one this afternoon on me. All right, one <laughs> 1-800-922-6680. Like I said, I don't have a problem with Bud. I had the problem with the iced beer part of it, when because it's it's kind of like light, but even lighter than light. I was like, just drink water at that point. One Mary Walter in for Rob Carson on the Rob Carson Show. I'm Mary Walter in for Rob Carson. One eight hundred nine two two six six eight zero. Coming up, we'll speak with a vet who started his own business and find out more about that and and why he did it. Since we're talking about cancel culture and people choosing products based on companies that they're boycotting or they want to support or they don't want to support, there's a couple of companies my husband and I'll be like, you know, I know it's going to cost more, but I really like what they stand for. I believe in them. So I'm going to pay a little bit more for this product, but I believe it's a good product. You know, I, I personally, don't like some products that are made in China because they're made by forced labor by Uyghurs, right? So I try hard not to buy those products because I'm not a huge fan of slavery. And the same people who complain about slavery in America will go out and buy the products that are made by slaves in China. So, you know, Mm. I try to be at least mildly consistent with my purchasing. 1-800-922-6680. Let's go to Baltimore. Hey, Greg, you're on The Rob Carson Show. Hi.
7: Hey, how you going? How you doing? Uh, Doing an awesome job. It's good to hear the uh, big guy got a vacation. Um,
1: Well, he's on his way to New Hampshire. He'll be doing the show live, so he's traveling today, which is, I guess that's kind of like a vacation, right?
7: Yeah, he gives him some time away, you know, stretch his legs. Um, The biggest thing I I, I have the issue with with the cancel culture is, on the left, if you do something they don't like, they just want to destroy your entire life, versus on the right, I feel... If somebody doesn't agree with it, they just move on and they say, okay, well, I'm not going to support you and I'm not going to give you my business. And I just think you're going to disagree with people, you should not go after them and just dis- try to destroy their whole livelihood. Versus if you're if you're putting out a product and I don't agree with it, I'm not obligated to purchase or support you. But I'm not going to go out of my way. Like when you talk about, you hear a lot about the Bud Light, there's a lot of people who lost jobs. And I feel for those people, right? But like... It, I'm not supporting that company. I'm not giving them money. But I would never go above and beyond and try to destroy somebody's life. That's something I think that happens a lot on the left with the, like, with the cancel culture there.
1: Right. I, I, well, although, let me ask you, so what do you think about And when the left tries to cancel stuff, they're not, always, they're not always very good at it because most of the canceling done by the left is done on a corporate level. Have you noticed? Whereas oh, canceling power. on the right is done on the grassroots level. And and I wonder if that's just because they don't have a lot of money to spend or mom and dad only give them so much uh, or or they're just lazy. I, I don't know what it is. Whereas people on the right tend to shy away from saying, "Okay, the government's going to to deal with cancel culture. No, I'll deal with it myself. Thank you very much. I don't believe in the state taking action to cancel.
7: I do feel just it's indicative of how the people and not to generalize but I feel like on a whole people on the right are much more hardworking much more you know head down like you know providing for their family and the left tends to be outrageous and you know kind of like you know just you know they they are very on they don't have a very strong grasp of reality and how things in the world work and like unfortunately they just think you know I've just its it, the right puts their money where their mouth is versus the left is just like, oh, we hate that. Oh, my God, that's horrible. All right. Well, then you don't have to support it.
1: Right. So but they would just rather have it canceled totally. They would just rather have Twitter shut down the speech. Right. Look what the government uh-huh. did colluding with social media companies to shut down the speech that they don't like. Look what they did to the New York Post with, you know, they shut down the corporate. They, they, get, they use the government to get because the government can't shut you down legally. So what they do is they, go, they get someone else to do it for you, but on a massive level where you can't fight it. You can't appeal to anybody. Whereas if Bud was smart, Bud would have come back and they would have put out a series of ads saying, we're sorry, we screwed up, you know, and in different situations, you know, forgive me, you know, that type of thing. And they could have made light of it and they could have eaten crow. And I, I don't think it would have gotten to the point where it is now and that's the problem but handle it let them handle it directly with the people as opposed to having this huge entity like twitter or some or someone else banks even acting on on the direction of the government to censor you
7: yeah that's the, the idea of pure the pure capitalism of it is like you make a product i don't like i don't support it with my money and that's where it ends like if you sell right. sandwiches and i don't like your sandwiches your place is going to go out of business if people don't buy your sandwiches like it shouldn't come down to like something like a larger a larger like a like you said, the government or larger corporations getting involved. Right. It should just be survival of the fittest kind of mentality.
1: Yeah, and if you have a good product, great. But I do think, unfortunately, it's past that now, and we're into the the where you know your political leanings uh, come into play. Thank you so much. I appreciate you joining yeah. and, and giving yeah. me your two cents, Greg. Enjoy the rest of your week. Look at uh, look at Jason Aldeans. Try that in a small town. Hit number one on the Billboard's All Genre Hot 100 Song Chart. Uh, they made the announcement on Monday. It was, rose from number two to number one last week. It's the first time Jason Aldean has won that spot. And two other country singles now are following Aldean. Morgan Wallen's Last Night is number two. Luke Combs' rendition of Fast Car Previously recorded by Tracy Chapman is at number three. And it's the first time the country hits have taken the top three spots in a single week since they started this chart in nineteen fifty-eight. But they tried to cancel cancel Jason Aldean. And Americans said, wait a minute, this isn't racist, this isn't bad. He's saying, like, don't come into my town and loot it. Because we're not big, we're not proud of that. We don't do that kind of thing in a small town. You keep that in the big city. We don't do that here. And I think most people agree with that. So they said, oh, no, 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 no. Well, you're not canceling this. And when I said banks, you're seeing it in England, but it's happening here in this country now where banks are establishing a social credit system. And they're using that social credit system to deny you, bank to debank you, they call it. They did it to uh, Mike Flynn. They have done it to the Family Council. They did it to Defense of Liberty. And so these big, these two big-to-fail banks that your tax dollars uh, every now and then bail out are then turning around and deplatforming, debanking you. Remember, in the late of January 6th, Bank of America just voluntarily handed over to the DOJ and the FBI bank records of people who made transactions in Washington, D.C. Just because you made a transaction in the Washington, D.C. area. Without a warrant, just handed the records over. That scares me. That doesn't make me happy. How are you protecting me then as a customer? I, I don't like any of that stuff. And these two too big to fail banks, I think, are probably going to start to see people moving their monies out and saying, you know what? I'm going to go to the little guy down the street. You know, kind of like Cheers. Or everybody knows my name. That's where I'm going to go do my banking. Uh, coming up, Andrew Arbogast joins us. He is part of the Cheese Mafia. And he's a vet and also member of Folds of Honor. That is next on The Rob Carson Show. Walter in for Rob Carson if you're just joining us we've been talking about cancel culture and talking about you know there's an app now that you can um, you can download costs 99 cents uh, a month I love that it just don't make it a dollar it's 99 cents and you can scan product codes after you fill out a questionnaire to find out where your values lie and so it, to help you purchase products that align with your values and I thought man that's where we are in America Huh ha ha so our next guest, I think this is pretty interesting that we have him on tonight. I think it dovetails very nicely on the Newsmax hotline, Andrew Arbogast. He is the CEO and founder of Arbogast Cheese Dip. Now, he's so much more than that. He is a vet. It's, he's not just the cheese dip man. Uh, Andrew, thank you for joining me.
2: Mary, thanks for having me. Um, It's so funny because I I actually am the cheese dip man. I I know my worth these days, and it's the (laughs) expectation that I have cheese with me no matter where I go. So (laughs) I appreciate the veteran shout out.
1: Well, but see, and I like to I like to highlight um, industries run by veterans because I think there's there's two sides to the vet coin, and the one side that we hear a lot about is. Well, actually, maybe we don't hear enough about it. The vets who come back have a really hard time readjusting to civilian life. You know, they come back, they can't do it, and we hear about you know 22 suicides a day, and it wouldn't surprise me if it's it's more than that. And it's it's a tough transition for a lot of people to come back. Then you hear stories like yours, where you come back and you manage to to readjust and to re-enter civilian life and thrive doing it. So, I guess my question to you is how come people like some vets like you can manage to do this and others can't? What do you think is the difference?
2: Mary, that's a, a great question. And it, when asked the question, um, why did I start Arbo's Cheese Dip? I, I used to say it's because I love food, I'm passionate about food. But when you really peel back the layers, I learned more about myself and, and what exactly was the main reason um that led me to starting this business and like you said the the return to civilian life after you know combat deployments missing birthdays holidays with your family there's not really a we're working on it military's working on it but transitioning back to the civilian life life can't be taught in two weeks and then hey here's your dd 214 thank you for your service now go get it um and and that was you know my experience but i also don't um blame the system. I'm like, okay, now it's on me. It's my responsibility to figure this out. And uh, I had a lot of baggage that I was unaware of because you're 10 years, I was 10 years in in the Army uh, as Apache helicopter pilot with several deployments and it wears on you, but you're so on the go, you don't realize that you need to maintain yourself. And so I hit a wall uh, when I got out. I transitioned to civilian sector, corporate America uh, beautiful five, Fortune 500 company that, that treated me very well. But four years into it, I knew that I was living my life as a fraud. And to my children and them seeing, like, oh, yeah, all you have to do is go to college, get a degree, and then, you know, make six figures. Those are the golden handcuffs, right? No one's doing, most of people are not living a passion or a dream. And once I realized that I was not fulfilled, Boom one day arvos cheese that uh, my father's recipe popped into my head and 5 months later I'm selling it across several states and uh and distribution hundreds of stores so it's been crazy
1: Yeah I, it it takes I think there are some people who are built for something like that and others who who just are not built for that risk-taking. You, you know, especially when you have kids, that's a tough thing to do. Um, how did your wife feel about you just saying, guess what, honey? By the way, um, I'm gonna be the cheese dip guy in this whole six-figure Fortune 500 company thing. Not my jam so much. Was she totally down with that?
2: No. No.
1: The, the <laughs> I didn't think um, so.
2: <laughs> yeah, you, you always have a, a dreamer in any relationship and then a realist. And And so she's the realist. I'm the dreamer. And I felt like I've given 10 years of my life to the Army, to my country, and I've been through a lot. I'm like, how could this be any harder than that? Um, but I, I, I learned to stop telling her, hey, it's all going to work out. She doesn't want to hear that. She needs to know exactly what this looks like in one year, two years, three years. And so when I brought it up, you know, my wife knows me better than anyone. That mountain bike that I just bought for $700 had seen, you know, one ride. And I've moved on to other things, you know. So she's like, is this going to be another one of those uh, cool ideas that you end up not doing? And instead of words, I just had to demonstrate how serious I was. And that meant getting off of work at International Paper, going to my buddy's kitchen downtown, making cheese dips, wedding uh with friends you know for six hours coming home at midnight and i still have all this cheese dip i've got to you know get refrigerated and i'd wake up and go to work the next day i did that for five months but it's because i believed in it and if someone has a passion about um you know to to take something that they love to the next level as a business you have it really does have to be a passion or else you're going to give up you're going to quit you know the the first mistake i remember one time i'm Driving over a speed bump, and I had a sixty quart pot of cheese dip. It just went all over the car. Right? Oh. I mean, I've flooded my house three times. uh, Actually, four. Uh, My wife doesn't know about the fourth one, but um, I guess she'll she will now. Uh, But it's it's all these things. It's like the the smallest or even biggest things can deter people from doing this like that. So if you're passionate about it. But eventually I was, you know, able to prove to her that, like, look, we're, we've, I'm raising money. People are willing to invest in me to take this to the next level. And that allowed me to quit my job and focus on this full time, and we've scaled it. So I say we. I've had a lot of help and input from people, but I'm the only employee. So I rely heavily on outsourcing everything.
1: So that's what I wanted to ask you, you know, someone who's a vet or anybody who has some kind of a dream and they're like, oh, my dad's cheese dip. They've got something that they've always toyed with, but they look at it. And then, you know, if you watch Shark Tank, you see what these people do. And I'm like, oh, I always thought I could start a business. I can't start a business. Have you seen that show? That's it, it, They make it seem like it's a really difficult thing to do. So how did you, did you have a business degree? Did you have experience other than working at international paper that that gave you a leg up when it came to starting your
2: business? That's a great question. And, um, I had had, did not have a business degree. I started with a food service management degree. I was in in college with army ROTC. Um, and army said, Hey, look, unless you want to go the food route in the military, you might want to change it. So I, I picked psychology because it had uh, the most girls in all of the classes (laughs) I've attended. Um, and, and so I, I just picked something, right? And uh, it ended up kind of working out, but I never applied my degree to anything um, in a field specifically. Did I use it while in the military? Of course. Not reverse psychology, but, you know, just knowing how to communicate and talk to people and understand and the relationships and how important that is and leading by example. But then leaving the military, how do I go from flying uh, a $25 million helicopter to sitting at a desk, and and so it was me falling back on my leadership experience as a platoon leader and a commander um, while I was serving, and so I learned from those four years at International Paper. I went into global sourcing, so I was a buyer. I didn't know what payment terms wa- were. I didn't know what P and L meant. I mean, this is how mm-hmm. um, I don't I hate to word, use the word ignorant, but I lacked knowledge and business acumen. But the four years of that were critical for me to start this business. I still had to Google how to start an LLC, but because of my corporate experience, I've been able to negotiate and understand the importance of procurement and margins and all of these things that can make or break a business or a startup within the first five years.
1: Now, when you get bigger, I mean, is... You don't really tout that it's a veteran-owned business, which I find interesting. You know, When I, when I went to your webpage, by the way, Arbos, A-R-B-O-S, cheesedip.com, I, I didn't really see it. I had to scroll down to see that, you know, yeah, he's a vet. And, and you also mentioned uh, when we were speaking, going back and forth, that you are involved with Folds of Honor as well, uh, which I think is a wonderful organization. So why don't you really tout that it's a veteran-owned business?
0: You know,
2: Mary, I was very unsure how to do that because I've never been the one to just wear it on my sleeve. It it is a part of me, but I never saw it as my identity. So I was kind of shy with with using that. Um, However, I I don't know um, if you have visited the website recently. We we did a full rebrand. It's completely patriotic. It's red, white, and blue. Yes. And it calls out proudly, veteran-owned. There's a picture of me in the cockpit of my helicopter. So we're now. I'm now like realizing I've got to mm-hmm. lean into this. People want to support veterans, and and so I'm I am trying to get better with that. I did go pitch the Shark Tank last uh, two weeks ago. I wore. Oh, you
4: did. White suit.
2: I did, yeah. I wore my flight suit, my aviators, and just kind of went all out. Uh, I didn't get the call, but it doesn't mean I'm going to quit trying. Um, okay. But then, but then um, with Folds it- of Honor, I- I've realized, like, yes, this business thing is fulfilling. I love doing it. The people I've met and the experiences and failures I've had that have just made me better, there was still a piece missing. And I think it's just... Um, the way I'm, I'm des- not designed, but my experience in the military and serving, I still felt the need to give back to the military community and wear the, you know, even though I'm not wearing the uniform anymore, I'm supporting in other ways. And so raising money and and running, you know, hosting events uh, here in Tennessee that benefit the children and spouses of service members disabled or killed in action, there's nothing more fulfilling. I've got names on my list guys that I flew with that did not make it home those are the people that mean the most to me and all of our service members of course but I'm like if there's anything I can do to keep that family those that were left behind from being forgotten that's my job
1: I love it and and I was just on your website and it is red white and blue I was on it earlier today this morning when when I was putting together you know who you are and, and, and you know getting the whole thing ready and um I will say it does, there is the picture of you in the cockpit, but it's down at the bottom. So I guess like it didn't really impact me that much because it is down at the bottom. And I do like the, um, the, the camo on one of the cheeses, the queso blanco It does have the camo, um, and is, which, which I think is really cool, but, uh, okay. So how do people find you if, if they don't, cause you're in the Tennessee area, you can order the product online as well at Arbo's com. correct?
2: That's correct, yeah. We just launched uh, online fulfillment across the U.S. Uh, a few weeks ago, so people listening can order it that way. Or if you're in, the, in Tennessee or the surrounding states, uh, we're in Kroger and Mississippi, Arkansas, Alabama, Kentucky, and Tennessee, of course. We're moving into Publix um, this October 20th. All of Atlanta, I'm sorry, all in the Atlanta division, all of Georgia and some of Alabama and then everything in Tennessee. We go into Schnooks. Um, from St. Louis up to Chicago in the next month. Um, and so those right. are some of the, the big retailers we're targeting and going into at the moment.
1: All right. Well, best of luck with all of this. And I also want to put a pl- another plug in for Folds of Honor, a great organization. Um, I, I, if you don't know about it, look it up. We don't have a lot of time here to go into it, but uh, look it up. It's a fantastic organization. There's so many great vet organizations out there. So uh, thank you so much, Andrew, and best of luck to you.
2: Mary, it was a pleasure and an honor to uh, be on. Thank you so much.
1: And thank you for your service. I, I have such respect for someone who does a job that I could not do because I don't have the guts. So thank you. one eight hundred nine two two six six eight zero 922 6680 is the number as we come towards the end here. Uh, we have, I've got a lot more to cover though. So we will do that coming up on The Rob Carson Show. Mary, Walter in for Rob Carson on the Rob Carson show. You can reach out to me at Mary Walter radio on Twitter. Also have a podcast on Tuesday nights is live on Tuesday nights, seven fifteen PM Eastern time live on getter and YouTube. Just look for Mary Walter radio on uh, YouTube, Mary Walter on getter. You can participate in it. And then if you go to Apple podcasts and Spotify, the audio is available there again, Mary Walter radio. And there are some older um, podcasts, obviously up uh, some great interviews. We've had, Uh, Sean Spicer and um, we had uh, James Rosen and Cal Thomas and I know I'm missing somebody. I forget. I think I'm missing some people here and there. But um, we do have some fun interviews as well. I gotta get Rob on. I think I've had Rob on. Think Rob Rob has been on the podcast with me. Yeah, Rob's been on my podcast with me. So uh, go go check it out. Just look for Mary Walter Radio on YouTube. So uh, Sir Squatch a lot uh, on Twitter. I love the names. Reached out. He said, um, "I've always hunted and fished, but the more I walk away from sports like football, baseball, and golf, the more time I spend indoors. Big sports lost me over politics. In the outdoor world, I don't have to deal with any of that." If I'm not on the stage, I'm in the woods. Interesting. Uh, he said, we're at a point with his family where about 90% of the meat my family eats is wild game. Fish, venison, turkey, bear, antelope. We also go more and more primitive with archery, muzzle loader, fly fishing, even flintlock. Wow. Uh, next week, I head to Alaska. I'll get salmon and hot halibut for the year. It's a week of intense fishing. It's a thousand times a better way to spend my summer than golfing and going to baseball games. I, th- You know, it's interesting because I want to say sports, big sports, did lose people. But I know people who hated when everybody was kneeling and hated the, like the, the Black National Anthem and all this other stuff before games. But they had season tickets and they weren't going to throw them anyway. You know, so I think there's a line for a lot of people. I'll do this, but that's a bridge too far for me. All right. Coming up, just some fun news for the end of the show. A sad news. It's, it's a, I know people are going to laugh at the story, but it's kind of sad. But then I think a very funny story. 1 800 6680, if you want to jump in here before the end of the show. I'm Mary Walter, and you're listening to The Rob Carson Show. You're listening to The Rob Carson Show, but I'm not Rob Carson. I am Mary Walter. Rob is back with you tomorrow. He is on his way to New Hampshire. Well, he will be broadcasting live tomorrow. So if you're in the neighborhood, stop by and say hello to Rob. Okay, so um, the little bit of a sad story, a plus-sized British Airways passenger got stuck in a first-class seat after his flight landed in the UK from Nigeria early this weekend. He was wedged in his seat for about three hours after it was a -a six-and-a-half-hour flight. He was in 1A which is uh, typically reserved for executive club gold card holders. So uh, they also say British Airways first class seats are nearly two feet wide. And uh, an engineering, they had to get an engineer in. And the note from the engineer says, a volumetric passenger is stuck in seat 1A. The plan is to remove the suite door and use a hoist to eject him from the seat. And apparently the guy was really, really embarrassed. I understand that. Like, I get he's embarrassed. I kind of feel badly for him. Yes, it is a problem of his own making unless there's some kind of um, medical condition, but I don't know of too many people who have a medical condition that, you know, balloons you to that size. So, but I always do feel badly for them, you know, the, the embarrassment. All right. Now my fun story: This guy from the UK won um, almost three hundred million dollar equivalent in uh, the in the Euro Millions draw in twenty twelve, and so he bought an estate. And now every year he hosts what he calls a mini Glastonbury festival. It's called the Cambridge Rock Festival. It used to be known as the Rock and Beer Fest and it takes place on his estate and he hosts up to 2000 festival goers. Now he did it in 2017 and 2018 and then the neighbors started complaining. So the neighbors tried to stop him from getting a permit to do this because they insisted now that he needs a permit to do this. So he kept getting temporary permits. So he knows that the neighbors hate this. So he decides he's doing it anyway. It is now an offer. It is now a pay-what-you-can-afford full festival ticket. Uh, It starts at about... um, Two hundred and forty-eight Australian dollars. I don't know what that is in American dollars, and um, and they have much cheaper day tickets as well. They sell booze and food, and uh, he is a grand old time, and he does it because it ticks off the neighbors. <laughs> If I went $300 million in the lottery, I think I would try to be nice to my neighbors. That's just me. I'm Mary Walter. Thank you so much for spending the day with me, the afternoon, a couple of hours. Uh, Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Lee. And of course, Rob. Have a great day.